If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here in studio in VC Productions in Nashville, Tennessee. This is season three. We're so, we're so excited about that. We've got somebody new at the at the table, and we'll talk about that to the in just a second here. But to the right, always got his new lifestyle brand kicking. It's a great it's new shirt, the Goat Lifestyle. My good friend, the CEO of the Goat Family of Brands, Tyler Burnett. Tyler, we're glad you're here today. You did not take the Sprinter, not today. You just drove up on your own. <clears throat> Baby steps for a new beginning for season three called Curiosity. Uh, hopefully, that never happens again. But. To, to the left. He's going to be pause. He's going to pause and appreciate. We call yes. him the LinkedIn whisperer. He's the calming force to our show. Some days. Uh, my good friend, who's a little stressed, but we're going to take him down little by little. John, his last name is Byers. John, we're so excited to be here. We are the Goat Consulting Podcast. We will introduce one of my favorite people here in just a second at the table. We serve it up like Waffle House. We serve it up in a way that you can get it. We're all about the stages of life, business, and relationships. In our 20s, they teach us to get in the game in our 30s, they teach us to move up in the game. In our 40s, we try to stay in the game because those 30-year-olds are so damn good. In our 50s, what research says is we say, this is what I really want. I don't think I got that right, but I'm going to keep going. I like it. I like when you bring the research part in there. I, I know. Like that's your favorite part. Well, I mean, I've got to with John Donovan at the table. We'll talk about him in just a second. The GOAT, it's the greatest of all time. In sports, it's easy to see. It's people that are recognized for their greatness. They elevate those of the play around them. But in business, it's people that compete on unique perspective. Unique education and unique experience. What they do gives them energy, and it gives other people energy, and it creates new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. And our guest today, I think, epitomizes someone that does just that, that creates new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. I had a chance to meet John Donovan at a brand metal event over there in Brentwood where all the moving and shaking happens, and, and I somehow got you in a corner and 25 minutes in, we're, we're talking about learning in ways that probably most people wouldn't experience in their first conversation, much less that we're going to make it all about learning. So you don't like to be referred to as a learning scientist, so I won't say that, but you are someone that helps people succeed through learning strategies. And I will say for our global audience out there that watches on different platforms like Spotify, Spotify YouTube, YouTube, Apple Music. Apple, iTunes. Apple Music, that I that I texted John about an hour ago and said, hey, man, somebody wasn't able to come in. Can you make, I was going to get you on the show, but uh, can you make it happen today? So expedite this bad and boy. And he yeah. said, I will be there. Much like Beautiful. Dev Digital always is there to deliver. deliver the mail. They come in right when you need them. So we're so thankful for Dev. We're so thankful for Dev and what they do. But, John, we appreciate you being here today. Uh, we're excited to unpack learning with you. Thanks. And you've got an incredible story. And uh, we do it a little bit differently here. We start with childhood memories, right? Isn't yeah, that what we what, do? We do now. We, <laughs> let's go. 
So I'm going to turn it over to you, as as uh, as uh, Spencer would say, John. You take it from here. Tell so us what to do. Today. I'm going to I'm going to let you take it from here. Thank you, John. Thank you for being here. Excited to spend some time with you Thanks. today. It's a pleasure, John Donovan. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Your beard is beautiful, by the way. <laughs> I just felt like I needed to say that on the air. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. I did. I've been thinking you need it. One. I've been thinking it the whole I time. Am. I kind of want to caress it, but I won't. <laughs> I am honored. Thank you. <laughs> you so, want to caress his beard? It's it's all, see me after school it's very nice see me after school it's very nice so so great to have you you do not like to be called a uh learning scientist can you say more about that like sure because i like to try and make things as accessible as possible okay and uh when you are presented as a scientist people get a little bit nervous and think uh oh you know does this person live outside the lab you know, mm-hmm. what kind of practical experience do you have? Well, and you've got you've got all kinds of practical experience. And and uh, since we're kind of a pressed for time here, I sent it out to send it out to the group to say what you do. I'd like to read just a piece of your bio before we get mm-hmm. started, but but the introduction says that you build learning communities uh, and a combination of educational psychology, cognitive science, multimedia production, and technology-based delivery experience have helped global audiences, which we're in alignment with that, global audiences achieve personal and professional success. Yep. So we're excited to unpack that with you today. I know that you've got an incredible story and a, and a yeah. lot of work right here in Tennessee. He is a Sewanee graduate, part of oh. the same conference as Millsaps College. So I'll have you know that we are among On the mountain. Yes. We are among greatness. Another liberal arts grad turning Lost. his liberal arts education into success and opportunity for himself and others. Lost to some of the best. Maybe <laughs> yes. Let's take it back to Colby's question, and I love this question, and we're starting to ask our guests now, can you can you identify a moment from your childhood that's one of or the best childhood memory? I don't want to feel like you got to mm-hmm. just nail it down to one, but if you can, sure. great. Favorite childhood memory? This is one that sticks with me. It's come back over and over again. Um, I was, I think, turning four years old when the lunar landing happened. Mm. And I was playing in the backyard. My mom says, come on, so, come inside and watch this on television. History's being made. And when I look back on that, it, it was a moment that crystallized, crystallizes now um, a lot of the culture of learning that was going on in my family. Mm. We didn't call it that. Yeah. But there's a tradition of saying, you know what, there are things, there are moments in time that are important you want to remember for the rest of your life. And this is one of them. This is, mm. you know, we're, this is a human, this is humankind leaving the earth living on their planet for as long a period of time as we can. And by golly, this is a, this is a new era for human beings. Setting that stage for the, for the film and, and television degree that happened for you at, uh, <laughs> at Suwannee. Setting the, I can just see you lining up the, uh, lining up the landing there. You know, they, they, the, the stat is that 80% of life defining moments happen before age 35. So if you think about that childhood moment that set mm-hmm. the stage, is there a moment in, up in between to, that, in between that and yeah. thirty-five, that you look at and say, "This set the trajectory for me." You know, the reason I went to Swanee. So at the time, Swanee was one of two or three universities that had a student and community-run volunteer fire and rescue service, hmm. and my family had medicine in the background, and my my grandfather invented this stuff called sea breeze lotion. Okay, and at the time was killing it, and and he was a research guy, and and I thought, well, you know, medicine's kind of cool. I wonder if I got the stomach for that and the mind for it. And I thought a good way to try and figure that out was to become a, an EMT. Mm. 
to the classes at Swanee and then made the cut to be on the team or on the, uh, you know, on the rescue squad and um, liked it so much that I became a training officer to teach people how to do all the certain things like cut cars open and rescue off the sides of a mountain and repel and things like that. And um, we had the lowest, we had the highest recovery rate for spinal injuries in the state. And that's including volunteer and paid EMS services. And on the mountaintop, you saw it all. You had agriculture, car accidents, you know, climbing injuries, age-related things, childhood, you know, know, falls, stuff like that. And so you get this great body of experience doing EMS. And in doing that, in in becoming uh, an EMS officer, one of the things we turned into were one of the public health outreach branches. So we did blood drives. We typed blood. We'd do blood draws and that kind of stuff. And so I got to know both through the most tragic events in people's lives, the most needy opportunities in their lives, as well as routine health care, um, where people lived and the disparity. Mm. And it really moved me to think, you know, if not for um, some education and some personal discipline and some lifestyle choices, we wouldn't be meeting today. If you yeah. wore your seatbelt, I wouldn't be, you know, you know putting your butt in the back of, a, of an ambulance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or if you knew how to, you know, watch what you ate, we wouldn't be here talking about your heart attack and, you know, getting you to the hospital. Or if you knew how to handle stress and, um, you know, interfam- interfamily, uh, you know, violence and, and anger management, we wouldn't be, you know, working about worrying about your overdose. But but you say there's a real difference between training and education, and we'll get there in just a second as mm-hmm. we move through this process. But yep. but it was the education, the opportunity to educate others, yep. that that really set the stage for you to end up to doing what you've done over the last twenty years. And at that time, was seeing the gap. The gap. Yep. It's funny. It's interesting. Not funny. But it's interesting that you said that because I'm thinking based on the little that I know about you and your work that you've done at this point, it's not, it wasn't for me so much what you just said about educating others as much as this like desire and unsatisfied um, desire to keep learning. Mm-hmm. That's when I hear about your childhood memory, when I hear about the reason you went to Swanee, it's this desire to learn as opposed mm-hmm. to, and, and obviously they're both connected, right? Yeah. But I was thinking that while you were thinking the other. Yeah. And they're both it, true, I'm guessing. Well, and it, it's learning is a lifelong pursuit. You you never really stop, and people don't think about it that way. But you are constantly learning. You're you're taking data from the environment. You're figuring out how to process that. You're prioritizing the things you got to do in the right <clears> sequence <throat> to get a, you know a positive outcome. You know, it could be just getting home from from work. And you have some very specific ideas about the best way to do that so that people can become the best versions of themselves. Employees can become the best version of mm-hmm. themselves. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, and, and bef- as we start to get into that, I'm going to be fascinated to hear how you would define a GOAT mm-hmm. because the, one of the ways we honor all of our guests is give them the chance to share their definition of mm-hmm. the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. How would you define it? Everyone defines it a little bit uniquely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's always really fun. I'm going to ask you to do that here in just a second. And then share a goat with us, right? Sure. We've had some great goats. I mean, all the way back from Tupac and and some of the easy ones. You, you've Gene got Simmons. Brady and uh, Gene <laughs> Not Gene Simmons. It's the other Simmons. The <laughs> Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. He's coming up. He's coming up. Richie. Richie. We've that had, was his brother. That was Gene's younger brother. We've had Zima. 
You know, if you remember Zima, oh, yeah. that was that was the goat of not Bartles and James. It was Zima. So it can be a person, place, thing, a moment. We've had goat moments, but I can't wait to hear you share your definition and then a goat. Okay. Yeah. Go time. Go time. Go right. what, what is a goat to you? Goat time. Well, goat it's time. funny you should mention that because when, when I think about goats, a lot of what I do in the in the uh, the learning challenge space is work with organizations and I, and. We'd start with very high-level strategic conversations. Say, you know what? What's the problem we're trying to solve in your organization? It could be sales, leadership development. It could be new hire orientation. It could be onboarding. You know, it could be you know, different kinds of skill sets and nurses and doctors, whatever it is. The GOAT, people who excel in, in areas, practice what we call adaptive expertise. Mm. It is an intuitive performance, an intuitive behavior where people can read an environment, process all the data they're being given, and act on that without having to literally think about it. It's just part of who they are. So when you see someone who is fantastic at basketball or football, like Eli Manning, Peyton, Peyton Manning, yep, yep, one is some of the some of the best at reading the field. And so they, they, they knew how to do the plays with that. You know, they, they knew what plays to, to run based on their read of the other team, mm. their own team's capabilities, the time on the clock, and, and, you know, and, and what they need to accomplish. Yeah. They're masterful, adaptive experts. Intuitive. It's, it's, intuitive. It's, it's intuitive performance, and, they're, and they're, they practice mastery at the level of, of adaptive expertise. That's great. Uh, what a that great, what a great definition. Because if you if you look at Michael Jordan, I mean, yeah. the average height of an NBA player is is probably six six. He's six six. He's the average height. Yeah. But the reason that he was able to do all the things that he did is is you've explained it in a way for me the, for the, for the first time to understand. He didn't it. have to process it. He was a step ahead. Well, master. I mean, well, he mastered it. He did, and and. and it's an active he, process. It it's is. not a natural. I mean, maybe to a certain degree, but it's a learned. It is. You can't you can't maintain mastery without continuously learning mm. because your environment is continuously changing. The stepping stone to adaptive expertise is something we'll call routine expertise. So routine, think computer routines or rules, but or, or a process, a, st- a series of steps. So that's why he was able to do what he did because he started with routine expertise and moved to it, He took the adaptive. time to learn the routines. Yeah. Yeah, he knew he had muscle memory, a routine. Yeah. He could read the court, a routine. He knew the rules, yeah. a routine. He knew how to read with other players were doing on his team, a routine. He did that over and over again to so the point where he literally changed the, the wiring in his brain. And that's what, as, as you develop, as you go from routine expertise to adaptive expertise, routine expertise is memorizing the rules. Mm-hmm. And you, do, you memorize those rules and you practice those rules over and over again. 10,000 hours is five years of I work. Heard it's, that. It's, Outliers. Yep, those yeah. are all, that's, that's learning science research that was a lot of the stuff that, my organizations applied. Mm. And so those numbers come from the data that we would help t- to develop through research and practice. And it's very, very consistent. So there are ways s- to accelerate that, but, but it's the same process. So would you say uh, you call that um, what expertise? Routine. Routine. Routine expertise is learning and adaptive expertise is executing? Routine is rules. And adaptive is, a pl- is applying the rules without having to actively think about the rules. Got it. So I'm, I can't wait for to hear you share who your goat is. You know, I have there, 
I like the the folks who display that intuitive performance, <laughs> and it, it's 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 really regardless of genre or of profession, there are folks who you recognize them. When you see them, I'm sitting here trying to think who is intuitive performance. I mean, I'm going through my brain as fast as I can. But, I can't wait to see who it is. Intuitive I mean, performance. Like uh, from a football perspective, like you said, Peyton Manning is one of the best. Absol- Omaha, Omaha, absolutely cha- changing everything. But who yeah. is it? Who is it, John? Give me. I mean, who, who's the, who's the top just, in your head? Just one. Yeah, intuitive performance. Um, it doesn't have to be just one. I mean, in their field or multiple fields, like who would you say? Is I'm going Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it, play after play after play. It was an intuitive performance. Well, anyone at the top of their game is doing that. Yes. And so you have, it really comes down to how fast you can learn the environment and apply. I love the way you said And that. respond as opposed to somebody else. So, so they, ch- they change the actual game itself. Don't innovate to change the rules. Innovate to change the game. And the game, they change the game itself because of their mastery of the game. Absolutely. So I, here's my goat then that I'm gonna throw out there. John, you got to come up with one, buddy. Not you. I, I'm going. John D. One of my, my very first goat of episode one was Tupac, and I will <laughs> hold firmly to that. Um, however, I would also add, and maybe it's a slightly different genre. He would probably not agree, but I'm gonna go with Eminem. And if you've ever watched his movie, um, yeah, Eight, Mile. Eight Mile, you will see what you've described here. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure in sport, may, probably in sport, I could any other area where this is so easily applied, routine, adaptive expertise, and how he executes that in this particular movie, which is a story of his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a true-ish story, mm-hmm. right, yep. to which he plays his, his own self. Eminem, he's the GOAT. I like it. I believe it. Tyler? Well, um, there's so many. Um, you know, I've used it a hundred times and I'm going to use it again. Uh, coach Pete, my college baseball coach. And he always used to tell me, Bernie, when you think you got it figured out, you might as well hang them up. Yeah. And uh, he, he meant the same things. You, you stop learning. You know, you got to continually learn, new, you know, new footwork and new positioning and, and new skills and, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everything has changed so much. If you think about baseball, you probably hear if you go to a like if you go to a little league game, you'll hear somebody, "Hey, get your bat up, get your elbow up." Mm-hmm. Nobody does that anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's true. the reason behind it is science and yep. studying and continually to learn that. Yeah, and they had to continue to learn because the baseballs changed, which made oh yeah everything changed. The the mechanics of the pitcher allowed the fastball to move more, to curve mm-hmm. more. They went from throwing ninety to throwing one hundred and five. Mm-hmm. You know all of the above. The field conditions, the physical yeah. fitness. Of yeah, your, the light, the lights, the backdrop, everything. the stadiums, the temperature, humidity. Yeah, yeah everything. So um, it's just really cool to think about. And um, I love Coach Pete, and uh, that was just one of his simple ways of saying a very similar thing. Great. I love Anybody it. to add? Well, I think Roger Federer. Ooh, because That's so timely now. With I, I was just, retirement. I just think about when you, when you watch him play. He does not have time to think. Mm. Yeah, he's he's watching the ball come off of somebody else's racket at seventy to hundred miles an hour, and you're you don't have time to say, well, you know what? I bet that's going to have a top spin on it, and I think uh. I need to change my grip, and I think I need to move my feet over here, and I think no, 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 you don't do that at all. You are in the moment. You're in the it's flow. Yeah, you you, you it's reckon- like Eminem. 
all those pieces come together for you, and you get in, you get mm. where the ball's going to be. You don't run to where the ball. Right, right. <laughs> but he did that. He did that so much through mastery and practice. And I think absolutely so, we do that so much in sports. But I think sometimes in business we forget mm-hmm. that you have to practice for the game too. Yep. And it's something that I want to challenge myself to do is to continue to learn how to be a better leader. And if I just if I'm just putting out fires all day long, I'm never going to spend time in the practice to learn yep. how to implement that. So you, you said you you went to high level CEOs and said, "What's the problem?" What's the problem? And the answer that they gave you from there, you created learning strategies to solve the problem. Yep. Let's di- let's dig deeper into that in round two. Would that be good yeah. for you? Yeah, I, I think, think that's I think, a great segue. To I think we need to make that happen. Keep the audience uh, ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, On their toes. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Southwest has adapted well. Over yeah. the years. Well, they've got both. Tyler's routine. still hanging on. He's ready to keep <laughs> they, going. They have both routine and adaptive mastery, right? I mean, you know, they've got it figured out. The routine is right. I mean, land the plane, fill it up with gas, put the people on this on the plane. Well, they're the ultimate routine. They have the exact same platform. They have one plane, so all their parts, ah. all their pilots, all their supplies, their gates. Everybody knows the equipment. Mm. So they have taken that, they've made that, they've routinized travel. And then the adaptive is the fun and the love of of those that work within the plane. Absolutely. That, yeah. If you don't have different platforms, you can get that routine baked quickly, which yeah. means you can be that, you can be actionable that much faster. You can be adapted much faster because yeah. you're not having to change your game whenever you enter a new vehicle or new platform. Yeah. Your ground crews, their behavior becomes routine. The pilots are routine. Yeah, to apt to adaptive very easily. So we just went to the moon and back in, in twenty minutes with John Donovan. So uh, stay with us. And John, do you have time to stay for part two? You bet. Stay for part two. We don't know what planet we're going to go to, but it's going to be worth the ride uh, for Tyler Burnett and John Byers. He does have a last name, and my friend John Donovan. And over there on the board, Mikey. His name's Davey, but we call him Mikey. I'm Colby Jubinville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Oh.